0: I want to start off in, in a place of, of just prayer because one of the things that, that I just cannot get past, when we sing, O oh, Come, All You Faithful, I think for me is by far my favorite Christmas hymn. And, and the reason is because the theology is so deep and so strong. When we, when we sing those words about the word of the Father now in flesh appearing i mean that captures what we're celebrating so much so taking that would you join me in prayer as we get ready to start our last sunday of the advent season father we just thank you we thank you that you broke into the kingdom of the air we thank you that your kingdom is here even as we wait for the kingdom not yet we celebrate the kingdom that is I pray that as we consider what this day means, what it means to us I pray that we could also consider what it could mean to those that we come into contact with I pray that we would know even in this season of giving, that that you don't give anything you intend for us to keep for ourselves. So Father, would you help us to grasp hold of the joy, the love, the peace, and the hope. And as we grasp it, Lord, would you help us to share it? Would you be with us this morning? Speak to us in Jesus' name amen. We're going to start right off the bat in, in some scripture today that's going to help us to uh, unravel a message of joy, and, uh, and this is coming right out of Luke chapter 2, uh, uh, right out of the, the narrative of the birth of Jesus. Uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Joy and shepherds we can't separate joy and shepherds. The shepherds play an important supporting role in the narrative of the birth of Jesus. Now often when we talk about, about shepherds, often when you hear uh, uh, sermons about shepherds, what, what we see is, is a person that's like the dreg of society, the outcast, the dirty, uh, doing, doing work that only a loser would do. But that really isn't true It's kind of taken on its own narrative, but think about shepherd imagery and how often that it's used in in Scripture. Consider that in the story of God, we've got Abel, Abraham, Lot, Isaac, Jacob, Rachel, Laban, Jacob's 12 sons, including Joseph, Moses, David, all of them are shepherds. Many of the prophets Amos, Hosea, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Nahum, Zechariah, all of them use shepherd imagery that point to the promised one who would shepherd Israel, Jesus, the Son of God, the Good Shepherd. So for me, in in kind of unpacking all of this, the shepherd is presented not as, as the lowly of society, But one that was first to be told about Jesus is an honor, first to be told about Jesus. But they also were told about Jesus while they were doing what they always do. They're watching over a flock. They're doing honorable work. They were doing work that images the Savior. They were told... First, they were afraid, but hearing and seeing the angels, the armies of heaven, I can't imagine what they saw. But upon seeing that, seeing the angels praising God, they did the same. They believed and they ran to Jesus. The reason that they ran to Jesus is a reason that that, that we are going to grasp hold of today. They ran to Jesus. The reason that they ran was that this encounter with the angel, with the armies of God, with this encounter of the living God, this encounter extracted something from within each of them. This extracted something that was in them, it pulled it out, and all they could do was run to Jesus. The inbreaking of the kingdom of God represented by the birth of the Messiah extracted joy from these shepherds that motivated them to draw even closer to Jesus. The reality of salvation brought forth more than a feeling of happiness or contentment. It brought the very state of joy so today we celebrate this last day of the Advent season. This evening, as the sun sets at 4.34 p.m., we'll celebrate the end of the first Advent by marking the birth of Jesus as the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, another step in the unfolding plan of reconciliation. Today is certainly a day of joy. It's a day that defines Fulfills it perpetuates joy. Now, when trying to, to, to put our arms around this thing, joy, I find it best and mo- most helpful to consider the flow rate of ketchup or ketsup. Now, having lunch with one of our millennial leaders a time ago, um, and I don't believe in calling people out and so I will not use Sydney's name. I'm not going to use any title that, like, like kids ministry uh, leader that would, that would identify who this individual is. And I don't believe in pointing to where they're sitting in the room. Um, so none of that will occur. But I was having lunch with one of our millennial leaders. And, uh, and I, I watched in concern and amusement as this young lady fought with a glass bottle of ketchup ultimately giving up in, in frustrated angst until I demonstrated for her that all one has to do is hold it at the proper angle and apply force to the 57. Now, our young leader's conundrum is not rare. It is the quicksand of the condiment world. Now, this must be a pretty important dilemma because in, in American life, this, this really actually creates a need, a need that the U.S. government and several academic institutions have jumped into spending money, time, and energy to discover that the optimal flow rate of ketchup is roughly 0.045 kilometers per hour. (laughs) Now, the consistency of the finished product of ketchup is such that its flow is not more than 14 centimeters in 30 seconds at 20 degrees Celsius, all tested in a Bostwick consistometer. I checked it out. We got one out back. (laughs) Now, ketchup is a non-Newtonian liquid, which you might remember from high school or college physics if you stayed awake in any of those classes um, or even made it to class. Um, It means that the viscosity of ketchup depends on the force applied to it. It's a non-Newtonian liquid. Now, this bedevils even the most brilliant among us, as various ketchup extraction techniques have been tried, and most met with epic, disastrous results. Now, consider for a moment the knife sticker. Some of you are this individual, and I pray for you. The knife sticker, this unhappy soul is so desirous of of a tomatoey companion for their French fried potatoes that they try frustratingly, coax the ketchup out of the bottle by sticking a knife into it, threatening the ketchup in an attempt to make it come out. This is slow, tedious, and it raises the blood pressure even more than those fries will. The knife sticker. Next, we have the impatient and flummoxed inverted bottle smacker. There are those that are here as well that fit this category. This one is so confounded by the task at hand that they turn the bottle upside down and smack it with the full fury of an angry pagan god A fury that intensifies as the ketchup mockingly remains in the bottle. And then one fateful blow results in a catastrophe as the bottle surrenders not one, but all of the servings of ketchup, (laughs) drowning the plate in soupy sadness. This is not condiment bliss. Now, with full knowledge of these problems, the free market has attempted to rescue, to come to the rescue of the impatient, to come to the rescue of the flummoxed, both the bottle smacker and the knife sticker. But in their haste, the free market demonstrates that they misunderstood the problem. In misunderstanding the problem, They've created two more modalities of ketchup denial. We now have the packet and the plastic bottle to add to this condiment quandary. The packet neither opens as it was designed, nor fully releases the quarry of goodness found within. And the plastic bottle, this invites. Squeezing in such a way as to increase the velocity of the nightmare. These are hardly solutions to our catch-up dilemma. Some sad Americans have just given up. The frustration is so great, they've resigned themselves to a condiment-free life. And all we wanted was a little ketchup to spice up our lunch. Now, the desire for ketchup is best met when we understand the physics involved. Right, Sydney? But also, when we're able to understand how our desire for ketchup influences our extraction technique. So this brings us to joy the ketchup of the existence we call life. One could live without joy, just as one could eat a burger without ketchup, but what kind of life would that be? What kind of burger would that be? I don't even know. I can't even... Oh, poor people. One also could desire joy without understanding the physics involved, and be destined for a life focused on extraction that results in a slow pour or a violent eruption as we attempt to manufacture a method that would earn us this condiment bounty. As that young leader learned, there's only one force when applied to the human bottle that can extract real joy. Now, joy is often said alongside gladness and happiness, but joy is more of a a state of being than it is an emotion. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the products of a spiritual life. It's a part of the experience of accepting an invitation into the family of God. It's an outcome. The deep roots of, of this state of being permeate scripture as a reflection of the reality of God. The reality of God is found in joy. In the Old Testament, the deliverance and the anticipation of salvation became the the most significant occasions for experiencing joy. On the part of the people of God, this experience of joy also came alongside the defeat of a community's enemies, Joy is not not only the state of being following, being delivered from bondage, hardship, or depression, it also, we see rejoicing occurring um, when the acts of God are remembered and celebrated like we're doing today and what we'll do tonight. Celebrated with feasts and with parties, something that we try to do often as well. Community exaltation characterizes feasts of Passover, of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles, Purim, all of these are, are times of rejoicing that call to mind the, the fact that everything that God said that he would do, he's done. And when he says he's going to do something, we can rest in the fact that he will, because we've got all of this evidence of history that demonstrate who he is. In the New Testament, what we celebrate today, the coming Messiah who delivers his people and brings salvation becomes the basis for joy. What I extrapolate from this, when I think about this, when I think about even the the, the New Testament joy, the joy that we're invited to, the joy that we experience together, what I extrapolate from that is that also joy is a result of security, security in knowing and operating in our true identity, security in the knowledge that we are the Beloved, of God security and knowledge and the fact that he calls us treasure original masterpiece security comes when we know ourselves also joy is evident or joy is a product of security when we think of it along relational lines when relationships are righteous. In the true sense of the word righteous, when we think of righteous as right-relatedness, when, when the relationship is as it should be, when relationships are reconciled, we have security, and that security manifests in joy. That joy is in us. Just like in the shepherds of that nativity story, a seed that's planted in our very creation, it beckons us towards the Father. It is like ketchup awaiting for the proper extraction technique. The Apostle John wrote this in the opening of his first letter. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen, We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you, what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And with our fellowship, and, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. These things that John wrote about, the narrative of God's inbreaking into the culture of the world, is shared so that our joy might be fully felt. And this joy is extracted by the new reality of fellowship, of relationship with God. We see security come because we're able to stand righteous with God. Now, because that might seem like too simple of a point, we can expand that definition Of the force applied that extracts this non-newtonian liquid this this joy to be the process that we walk through that allows us to develop and experience this relationship in the fullness that it was designed to be experienced in and so our joy grows as we are discipled our joy grows as we become closer to god as as we become more like him as we bear the image of our Father. The first letter from John goes on to describe this path of joy extraction, and it begins here. John first uh, John chapter two, uh, starting in verse 12. "I'm writing to you, who are God's children, because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith, because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. You can feel the joy start to grow as this kind of builds. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your heart and you've won your battle with the evil one. Security. I can't read that and not feel security. Security that can come from no other source. So joy extraction begins with forgiveness of sins. Because of the reality that met those shepherds on the hill in Luke chapter 2, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, that God loved us so much that he sent his son. Because of his initiated plan, we stand forgiven even though we have nothing to give that would earn that forgiveness. Security in our identity that leads to security in our relationship with God. He called us. He came to us. He met us. He chose us. Security comes when we recognize an identity of chosen. And with the love, with the activation of relationship, we see security come as we stand righteous with God. This is joy extraction with the proper flow rate of 0.045 kilometers per hour. But it requires one more piece. One more facet of relational wholeness. We have two pieces that lead to joy, and one remains. We have security in identity. We have security in relationship with God. One more piece to the puzzle is something that John wrote about right before the passage that we just considered this is second john chapter 2 7 through 11 and this is that last piece to extract our joy dear friends i'm not writing a new commandment for you rather it's an old one you've had from the very beginning this old commandment To love one another is the same message you have heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer... Is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So John points out that the fullness of joy, the reality of joy extracted, is the outcome. Of knowing our identity, relationship with the Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, but also with each other. This is the force that causes joy to flow, forgiveness that transforms us into forgivers. We were first loved, so we're able to love. We were first forgiven, and we are now able to forgive. Forgiveness that transforms us into forgivers. We cannot experience true joy. We cannot experience this this state of being without this piece of the narrative. We cannot do the stuff that Jesus did without a posture of forgiveness. So joy is the outcome of security, the outcome of a a full-circled nature of God's narrative. What I mean by a full circle of, of, of God's narrative is simply forgiven to forgive. It begins with an encounter. Now for the shepherds, they had a real encounter on a real hill on a real night that changed their life. We all have access to an encounter just like that or like that but not like that at all. I sure would love to see the, the armies of heaven, but I also know that my encounter for me was just as powerful as what I read in Luke chapter 2. It begins with an encounter, and that encounter reveals the reality of, of God and the salvation that he offers. He proves himself to be real in that moment when he encounters us. Secure in the knowledge of his love, we begin to see joy extracted. It begins to flow. As relationship with him grows, we become more like him, and through the force of his love, we're transformed into those that act like him. Walking in the light, the forgiven forgive. And when the forgiven forgive, we proclaim glory to God in highest heaven peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you come and encounter us? We ask that you would come now and and release the gifts of your spirit. I pray that you would make your presence known in the natural to us, that we would know that you are here. And Father, from this place of knowledge, from this encounter with you, I pray that that you would put your fingers on all of those places where we lack security. All of the places where we don't know our identity, where we don't feel the beloved, where we don't feel like we are called treasure, where we don't see what you mean when you call us your original masterpiece, the work of art that defines the artist. Father, I pray that you would touch us in those places where we are insecure of our identity. And I pray that you would bring healing in the name of Jesus. Father, for all of those that are here, all of us, Lord, that still feel like there might be something between us and you, that maybe there's a transgression so great that it just cannot be forgiven. Maybe there's something that uh, that, that fills us with such guilt and shame that we don't even want to bring to you because of that guilt and shame. And so, Father, would you come and meet us in that? And would you show us the completion of your forgiveness? And, Father, from that place of knowledge of being forgiven, would you now bring to mind those we need to forgive? I pray that you would move us in those relationships to a place worth of forgiven forgive where your joy is extracted where it's perpetuated where it's defined As we turn back to worship, I'll invite the prayer team to come forward. And if any of, any of these things moved on your heart, if you're in a place where you would like to feel more joy, or you're so filled with joy you just want to share it with somebody, I would encourage you to come up and receive prayer as we close our time this morning in worship.